0: or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today on Be Brave at Work. Herman Simon is the founder and honorary chairman of Simon Kucher, a price consulting firm, I believe based in Germany. Herman is reaching out to us today from the beautiful city of Bonn, Germany. He's a professor, consultant, speaker. He's the best-selling author of over 40 books including Many Worlds, One Life, his autobiography, and one of his most recent books, True Profit, No Company Ever Went Broke, Turning a Profit. That's true. No company ever went broke from turning a profit. It is very true. Uh, He's the creator of the Hidden Champions concept, which I'm sure we'll hear about. He's also one of the most influential living management thinkers in German-speaking countries, just short of Peter Drucker and he's also a Thinkers 50 Hall of Fame laureate. Welcome Herman to our podcast today.
1: Ed, I look forward to our discussion.
0: I did a light introduction of you Herman and I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about your background and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace.
1: Yeah, two important points. Um, I grew up on a small farm in the middle ages. In the 1950s, life was like the Middle Ages, Uh, no machines, uh, only manual work, and I wanted to become a jet fighter pilot, but I failed due to color blindness, but still I was in the Air Force for a couple of years, and that was also a forming period for me. Then I became a professor and an entrepreneur, founded this consulting company with 43 offices now all over the world. And uh, so I am a farm boy (laughs) turned into
0: a kind of global player. There you go. Well, a significant global player, because I think you have lived in multiple locations beyond just Germany. Yes,
1: I lived for about three years in the United States. And uh, I also spent a lot of time in Asia Uh, Japan, I I lived for one semester when I was a professor in Japan, and uh, in Korea, I spent time and a lot of time I spent in China until Corona broke out, which prevented me from uh, traveling to China. Uh, So I've become quite familiar with Asia as well and the United States.
0: Well, I think the coronavirus impacted many people's ability to travel and uh, see the world. I hope things are starting to get a little bit better on that front.
1: Yes, we are all, all looking forward to this. Yeah.
0: Tell us a little bit about the company you founded, Simon Kutcher. Uh I understand that it does price consulting. Every product and service, of course, has a price. And it sounds as though manufacturers or developers come to you to help identify what the best or appropriate pricing might be
1: yeah uh, my research topic uh, while i was a doctoral student and uh, became a professor was price price theory and always had the ambition to apply what we were doing in academic research and there was an awakening moment for me i visited the marketing guru philip kotler in january 1979 at Northwestern University. I said, I'm doing pricing research. And he said, there is a guy who calls himself price consultant in Chicago. That was totally new to me. But that was the seed for the idea to found Simon Kutcher, together with my first doctoral student. And we are the pioneer in in pricing, and today we are the global leader in price consulting, and that's a niche market in consulting, but still rather large. Our, our revenue last year was $522 million. We have 1,800 people, 43 offices, and uh, so it has become a real, a real business.
0: Well, it sounds as though it's a real business. If you can raise $522 million doing price consulting, that is pretty impressive. What do you think it was about this idea or concept of price consulting that attracted you to delving into this industry?
1: I, it started with my doctoral dissertation on uh, pricing strategies for new products. Uh, that was very theoretical. I published a couple of articles, gave speeches, and then companies approached me and uh, has asked for twice on on pricing. It started in the pharmaceutical market and that's still our biggest market today. Pharmaceuticals, medical technology, but also automotive, telecommunications, all uh, industries, all services. And uh, what I learned over these decades is that the know-how for good pricing, sophisticated pricing is very industry specific. So we have specialists for all industries. And uh, it's, it's not just about price up and da- or down, it's about sophisticated pricing systems. And uh, in the last 30 years, we have seen more innovation in pricing than in the 3000 years before. If you think of models like pay-per-use, freemium, Uh, flat rates, etc. So it's a whole new area, which is quite sophisticated today. Uh, We use very sophisticated methods to measure price sensitivities, price
0: elasticities. So it's it's really, you can say it's high tech. Fantastic. Well, it sounds interesting. And because you did your uh, thesis and other work in pricing, to no great surprise, the industry became of great interest to you. So your background is phenomenal, Herman, and I do want to switch gears here for a few moments and talk a little bit about when you think uh, of the awards and recognitions that you've gotten in life. Today you're the most influential living management thinker in German-speaking countries, and you're a Thinker's 50 Hall of Fame laureate. What about this concept of bravery at work? Uh, when you think about bravery and the need to say what you need to say or do what you need to do, regardless of the outcome, you know what are some thoughts or phrases or even experiences that you've had that can be helpful to our listeners?
1: I had very important experiences during my military time. Uh, the basic training was very hard, and I don't think I was very brave there, though I was elected as the Speaker of the Platoon, so I, I uh, was candid, spoke my, my opinion, but I had an a very important experience during that time. I was in a fighter wing. Our only mission was to drop nuclear bombs on predefined targets on the other side of the Iron Curtain. And uh, that was the time when the Russians marched into Czechoslovakia in 1968. It reminds me a lot of what is happening now in Ukraine. And in one evening, just before midnight, we had a NATO alarm. That's the highest alarm you, you can think of. All uh, 36 fighter planes were equipped with nuclear bombs. And we were in charge of, of protecting the nuclear bombs. And half of my platoon, 150 people, were drunk. And they were equipped with sharp munition ammunition. And I was officer
0: in charge, 21 years old. And just a quick question, Herman. Did you say uh, the men that you were overseeing were drunk? Half of them were drunk. Half of them Because it
1: was just before
0: midnight. Got it. And
1: so one of the guys said, Simon, you are the first one who I will shoot as as, uh, when when I get my rifle and sharp ammunition. And I dealt with, actually, one of our, our, non-commissioned officers was uh, a boxing champion. I said, take care of him, he hit him. And as of that second, the discipline was there and we got special praise and recognition the next morning because we had done our job so well. So that was (laughs) a leadership experience at a very young age, which you would never uh, experience in in civilian life. I don't say it it was brave, but I, I solved this situation. When I think of my later activities as CEO of of Simon Kutcher, I think I I sometimes lacked bravery when employees or also partners, we are a partner company, were not performing. And I I knew that they were not performing and had uh, no long-term perspectives in the company. And I didn't have the courage to say, okay, we have to separate, and I, I, I accepted it too long. So I, I would say that was a lack of privacy as a leader. I knew it, but until
0: I implemented it, I let half a year year pass. Okay, and what happened? What was the impact of uh, your situation?
1: Yeah, eventually we separated from these uh, employees or or partners, but. It, it took too long and it took too much of my time. For instance, I, I'm thinking of one partner whom I accompanied very often to customer visits, to uh, presentations, pitches, and I wasted my time because I didn't have the courage to separate from him early on when I had recognized that he didn't have the potential. I, I think that is one of the, the big challenges for leaders to confront, subordinates employees or, or partners with the truth. If the truth is, is unpleasant, you avoid to tell it to people. That was a weakness of my leadership, a lack of
0: bravery, you can say. Well, fear of conflict is a significant roadblock. Exactly, yeah. Right.
1: Fear of, an, of an, a situation where you feel uncomfortable, yeah. You, you you don't like to tell negative things to to people but uh, that's a lack of, of courage of, of of willpower
0: which should be avoided by a leader it should be and of course there are ways to be conflicting or to say something to somebody that might be hard for them to hear that's very respectful and professional I'm just wondering if you put your thinking cap back on Herman what was the cause of your inability to do what you eventually did? Do you recall why you were not courageous or why you were not brave? To- I think the, the, the ultimate, yeah, the ultimate cause was that
1: I, I wanted to avoid conflicts, to make the truth open, but create a conflict. I think that is the ultimate cause
0: shyness of conflict you could call it and we would both agree that this desire to avoid conflict is a significant contributor to not saying what you need to say or doing what you might need to do in the workplace absolutely absolutely
1: but what i observed with myself that uh, for sometimes months or maybe years this kind of, uh, of of dissatisfaction on my side as a leader was was accumulating and then all of a sudden i made a decision called the person in and said we have to separate uh, so it was like a, a, a pressure which was building up until a crit- the critical point came and i said as of now it's uh, it's a decision and i think you you should do it once you recognize that a path is not leading to, to long-term success, you should make the decisions then and not let the pressure build up over, over a longer period of time.
0: Yes, I think what you're describing, at least in the U.S., we would call it the straw that broke the camel's back where yeah, somebody's yeah. not somebody's not doing something that they should be doing or creating uh, issues or distress in the organization. And we put up with it. We put up with it. We avoid it. We mm-hmm. rationalize it. Uh, until at some given point, for reasons that we don't even create, it gets to be so bad or so impactful or so deep that we end up doing something about it, right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you described that very well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the issues with that uh, oftentimes is if there is an employee who's problematic, as the leader, if I'm not doing something about it, I'm also now becoming part of the problem. Because people are not just looking at the person who's problematic. But they're wondering why leadership isn't doing anything about it.
1: Absolutely right. You uh, damage your your standing as a leader if you do not act in these cases. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What What are some tips or thoughts you might share, Herman, for people who need to be braver at the workplace? Of course, our podcast is designed to help people who have bravery moments currently existing or in anticipation of a bravery moment that might come up. Uh, and want to learn ways to say what they need to say or do what they need to do despite the outcome in order to help a situation or help a person. Any thoughts or ideas that you might share that could be helpful to people?
1: One tip. Um, in, in, in Germany, we have typically a so-called probationary period of half a year or six months. Is. And I learned from one CEO of of, uh, the Hidden Champions. Hidden Champions are mid-sized, little-known global market leaders. He said we actually use a probationary period to test people. And if after six months we come to the conclusion that this person doesn't have positive perspectives, we separate. We may need him or her, but we still are consistent and say, after six months, we should know what the potential of the person is. And if we come to a negative decision, we implement it and separate. And I think that is a very good tip. Because if, if you employ somebody for, for a couple of years, and then you decide it's it's a bad situation. But after a short period of testing, of probation, you can do it without damaging the corporate culture. And one, one other lesson from this uh, CEO, who is today the, the global leader in so-called point-of-use water filters, was that he said, I, I even don't have to do it the team sort of weeds out weak performers. It's like in a, in a football or a soccer team, where the team does not accept uh, weak performers because they make the team as a whole weaker. And this combination of, of the team spirit and the leadership is a good method to keep it and develop a strong team. So don't let underperformers, intrude into the team, into your team.
0: I will tell you that in the United States, at least most organizations have some type of 90 day probationary period. And to echo your comments, this is a significant opportunity to ensure that you're not perpetuating a problematic relationship. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't take advantage of this opportunity, but this is the time, you know, during the 90 days, this is when you would expect a new hire to be showing you the best of themselves, right? That, I'm, yeah. um, you know, I want this job, I want to stay here, so I'm going to show you how, how great I can be. And if they're not great, if they're not timely, if they're not respectful, if they're not getting their work done, you know, the 90-day probationary period is a great time where you can say, I don't think this is an opportunity that's going to work out, and let's move on. But, you know, it's interesting. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we don't take advantage of it as much as we should.
1: Yeah. Uh, in, in Germany, we typically have six months, so that's 180 days. And I think it depends on the, uh, the qualification level of the job. If the job is high qualification, you may need more than 90 days. For, for simpler uh, jobs, 90 days are okay, but uh, you should really use this period, the, the, the cut-off point, to make a decision because after so many months
0: you know whether somebody performs or has the potential to perform. And if you don't know after six months if somebody is able to do the job, you have different issues at play. Because
1: yeah. That's, absolutely.
0: That, yeah. That should be plenty of time to be able to identify if somebody's going to be a great contributor or not. Herman, it has been great. Speaking with you today, thank you again so much for joining us on the Be Brave at Work podcast. If folks want to reach out to you, find more about your business, find out more about the books you've written and the credentials that you have been credited with, how can they reach you?
1: The easiest way is HermanSimon.com. Herman with two N. HermanSimon.com. That's my homepage with all the information people may be interested in.
0: Fantastic. So H-E-R-M-A-N-N-S-I-M-O-N. Yes. Fantastic. Herman, thank you so much for joining us on Be Brave at Work today.
1: Thank you, Ed. I enjoyed our discussion. Take care.
0: And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963, or visit them for more information at capitrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.